not going to hear it. All right, so um, I wanted to start this morning by reading you guys a story. So this is a story about Paul and Nikki. This is Paul and Nikki. They married in 1993. After five happy years together, they started trying for a family when Nikki turned 30. But becoming pregnant didn't come easily. The couple were nine years into a stressful and emotional, exhausting fertility journey when all of a sudden the sky fell in. Paul, who was a regional manager for a major telecommunications company, knew something wasn't right when he wasn't recovering from the flu. He was in a meeting when the same number called again and again and again. And it was his doctor telling him to come in very urgently. And from that moment, their lives were turned upside down. After a number of tests, it was confirmed that Paul had acute myeloleukemia, a type of cancer that affects the blood and bone marrow. And Paul was told that if they couldn't find a donor, he wasn't going to survive. And if they did find a donor, his chance of survival was only about 30 to 40%. So they did an an exhaustive search, and fortunately, a donor match was found. From the other side of the world, a police officer from Germany named Joshin. And so the transplant took place, and it was a success, and Paul has been cancer-free for six years now. And his his specialist told him that he considers him to be cured and that no one would bet against him. So two years after the bone marrow transplant, Paul and Nikki were given the option of contacting the donor. And so they exchanged a few emails, and then the connection was taken to a new level when Paul and Nikki spent some time in Germany with Joshin. Paul said it was very amazing, it was overwhelming, and it was weird because we just hugged each other. It was almost like I was reuniting with a long-lost brother. And so they continued to write each other and send each other emails, and Joshin has actually visited with Paul and Nikki in Australia. Paul said it's hard to believe that you can have that kind of connection. And obviously there's all this stuff that happened and it's tied up in the emotion of it, but I don't think it's just the emotion, Paul explains. It's so much deeper. It's a very real, genuine connection. And so after five years of a remission, Paul and Nikki decided to try one more round of in vitro fertilization. Despite all that they endured with cancer, they never stopped or gave up hope of having a baby. And after 17 years of trying, they were finally successful. And he was a beautiful, blue-eyed baby boy whose life would not have been possible without the sheer determination of his parents and the help of a stranger on the other side of the world. So it was only fitting that Paul and Nicky called him Joshua. It was a tribute to Joshin, the man who saved his dad's life. So let me ask you a question this morning. Do you think that Paul and Nikki will ever forget Joshin and the sacrifice that he made for them? I don't think they ever will. I imagine that if any of us were in that situation, we would never forget the person who rescued us from the brink of death and gave life back to us. But if you did our reading this week, you know in our reading, we see that Moses warns the Israelites about exactly that same thing. Not to forget the one who rescued them and saved them. Not to forget God. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, open up to Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're going to start reading in verse 10. It says, Moses said this to them. When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But that is the time to be careful. 
Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I am giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large, and your silver and gold multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Now, if you're like me, when you read this passage in Deuteronomy, you probably said to yourself, like I did, how in the world could these people ever forget God? I mean, after all that he's done for them, he freed them from slavery, he parted the Red Sea, there was literally a cloud of fire at night that they followed. I mean, they were dependent upon God for every single thing. Look at verse 15, he says, Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was so hot and dry and he gave you water from a rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. See, the Israelites were a blessed people. God had been very good to them. And as soon as they take the promised land, God's going to bless them even more. He's going to give them nice places to stay in. He's going to multiply their wealth through flocks and herds with silver and gold. And they're going to eat all that God would give them and become full and running over. So how in the world could they forget God? I mean, after all he's done. I don't know about you, but it is sure easy for me to criticize the Israelites It's sure easy for me to look at them and read about them and go, man, you guys are so stupid. But then God reminds me that I often do the exact same things that they do. See, God does this amazing thing in my life, but sure enough, the next day, I'm complaining about something else. Or I don't have faith to get me through that next struggle that comes up in my life. And I find myself following the same pattern that the Israelites followed. That's why Paul says in Corinthians, he says, these things are a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did. So these things that we're reading in our F-260 plans are warnings to us, meaning that we can easily fall into the same failures and sin that the Israelites fell into. We could forget God. So what what makes a person forget God? Because as we know, it happens to the Israelites After they enter into the promised land, they start chasing their own idols and they forget God. I believe it's happening in our country today. I mean, most people rarely think about God. Occasionally, the thought of God might cross their mind, but not very often. God is not a major subject of their thoughts or a major part of their lives. Our culture definitely does not include God. As a matter of fact, it goes out of its way to prove that God doesn't exist and has never existed. Therefore, God's not a subject to occupy their minds. God is rejected, and he's denied, and God is forgotten. But what are we talking about when we say God is forgotten? Because I don't think we're talking about absent-mindedness, like forgetting where your car keys are or where your phone is, or even forgetting to spend time with God one day. I also don't think it's about retaining knowledge about God, because facts about God can be remembered while we still forget God. There are a lot of people who have a ton of Bible knowledge but they've still forgotten the Lord. And I don't think it's a danger of God being totally wiped out of our memories. I don't think it's any of that. What I think the danger is, is forgetting the reality of God in our lives. I think what we're talking about is forgetting how much we need to depend upon him 
and forgetting the importance of being obedient to his word. Look back at verse 11. He said, but that is the time, that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and do what? Disobey his commands, his regulations, his decrees that I'm giving you today. Moses is saying to, that failing to obey God's commandments will cause you to forget God. You must obey his commandments, keeping your mind upon obeying them. If you ne- neglect and ignore his commandments, you're going to grow cold and indifferent, soon forgetting God. Your conscious mind will become dull and insensitive, and the thoughts of God will soon pass from your mind. You will forget God. But if you obey God's commandments, then God's going to be active in your heart and in your life. Your mind and thoughts will focus upon God seeking to fulfill his commandments. Step by step throughout your day, you will seek to please God by obeying him. And God will be alive in your hearts and thoughts. You won't forget him. But if you fail to obey his commandments, that can cause a person to forget God. And I think the danger becomes most prevalent when we're enjoying prosperity. That's why Moses gives this warning, because the Lord knows that there's a danger in receiving so many blessings. He knew that there would be a tendency for the Israelites to forget him now that they were so blessed. They would have a tendency to think that they didn't need God anymore now that things were going so well for them. Isn't it ironic that we find ourselves forgetting him because of the many blessings that he's given us? I mean, God knows that when people are so abundantly blessed, they have a tendency to forget who enabled those blessings. They have a tendency to enjoy the blessings, but forget the one who blessed them. And I think it's because when our hands are so full, when our hands are so full, we forget the lessons that we learned when our hands were empty. I mean, for 40 years, 40 years, the nation of Israel wandered in the wilderness with little or no possessions. He said, Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. For all these 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't blister or swell. See, each step of the way, they had to depend totally and wholly upon God to provide and meet their needs. Now they're getting ready to enter into the land of milk and honey, the promised land, where they would settle down and enjoy the blessings of God. And when we're in safety, when all our needs are met and more, when we're enjoying the blessings of God, what is our tendency? It's to forget where it all came from. To believe that it was in our own power and our own abilities that brought us to the land of plenty. I mean, think about a time in your life when you were so dependent upon God, maybe a crisis that you were going through, what happens not long after God delivers you through that crisis? When things aren't so desperate, I mean, doesn't our passion and our need for God wane? Don't our thoughts and intentions shift to other things beside him? And I know this happens a lot in my life. See, when we have little, we live in dependence upon God. But when we have plenty, our dependence on God fades. And I think that's where a lot of people sit. I think this is where a lot of people sit. And I'm not trying to step on toes today. That's not my intention. I'm just saying that we have to be very, very careful because we definitely sit in a time of abundance 
and prosperity. And the danger comes when God is just one of many things in our lives and not the main thing. See, because of our prosperity, we have a million different options to fill our time, to spend our resources on, to give our attention to. And it isn't that it's wrong to do some of those things and enjoy the blessings that God's given us, but oftentimes what happens is God is drowned out in the cacophony of voices and the busyness of life that demands our time, resources, and attention. And here's where we find ourselves sitting on this slippery slope because our hearts and our minds are not on God and we start to compromise our values and we start down this path of disobedience. We get distracted by the demands of our days, by the busyness of our lives, and we tend to think that ignoring or rather not fully living up to one of God's commandments is just a small thing. It's not a big deal. Let me give you just a very small example. And I'm not trying to be legalistic here. Just bear with me. Hebrews 10.25 said this. Let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And what Paul is saying here is simply this. Don't get in the habit of skipping church. Don't get in the habit of skipping church. But it's easier for us to neglect that meeting when our lives are filled with a thousand other things, other things that must be done, other things that are more important. And pretty soon, attending church is the rarity instead of missing it. And these things that we have in our lives, they're not bad things. Some of them are good things. So it's easy to understand and even empathize with why we have to miss church. Yet I think it's the beginning of forgetting God. The demands of life pile up and it's too easy to skip church. And it isn't just church attendance. It spills into everything. I mean, what are we called to do? We're called to share the gospel of Christ with the world around us. We need to love our neighbors as ourselves and live sent as the hands, feet, and voice of Jesus. But we don't. Because it's too inconvenient. It requires too much time and too much energy. So we just don't do it. And we don't serve. We don't give. And we don't have time for any of the things God has called us to. Such is the beginning of careless forgetting of God. And before we know it, we've forgotten God. And even worse, we've begun to follow our own gods. And we've become committed to their ways. See, the result isn't just simple disobedience. It's the beginning of idolatry. Making a God in our own image, a God that we can easily obey. But didn't Jesus say, if you love me, you will keep my commandments? Yet we find his commandments so easy to ignore. And we no longer hunger for the things of God like we used to before we became so blessed. I mean, ask yourself this. When is the last time that you hungered for God? And I mean hungered for him. Hungered for him like David did in the Psalms. Psalms 52, David says, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. Where can I go and stand before him? Psalm 63, he says, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you 
in this parched and weary land where there's no water. Jesus said in Matthew 5, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And the word hungry there means to seek with eager desire or to crave. When was the last time we were that way? Craving for the Lord, thirsting for his presence in our lives. Do you see what the Lord's trying to say to us today? There is a danger in becoming satisfied. There is a danger in becoming satisfied and no longer needing the Lord. Look at Revelations 3 and see if this doesn't describe some people in the church today. Because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, and I don't need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. There is a danger of being satisfied and not needing God. And that danger is pride. Look back at verse 14. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. See, when everything is fine and our lives are filled with abundance, and it's not hard to imagine our hearts filled with pride. And we can easily forget the Lord, forget what he's done for us, forget that it was all of his work on our behalf. And we start to think that we're the source of our wealth and blessing. In verse 17, he says, I did all this so that you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Now, this is rarely said with our lips, but man, it is said with our hearts and it is proved with our actions. Look, I'm not going to get into this today, but just look at where your money goes. Money that God provided to you, do you tithe back to him as he commands? See, I think it's easy for us to begin to feel that our prosperity is due to our own knowledge, ability, and skill. We can easily forget that our lives, our health, our strength, our very existence upon this earth is due to the Lord. And so we have to guard our hearts from becoming proud and self-sufficient. So how do we do that? How do we protect ourselves from this and recover from spiritual amnesia? Well, the first thing is, we've already talked about it, we have to keep his commandments. I know we've said this verse before, but let's go over it again. But that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I'm giving you today. There is no moment of your day, no trial in your life, no situation that you're placed in where there is not some commandment or rule or statute that God wants you to consciously and joyfully keep. I find it impossible to forget or ignore God by striving to consciously and joyfully keep his commands in every situation of my life. I mean, if you're trying to keep God's word, not a watered-down copy of what God requires, but the full and massive weight of his commandments with intentionality and joy, you will not forget the Lord. I don't see how you could. The second thing we need to do is we have to remember that our state of sufficiency is not self-sufficiency, but God giving you the power to be in a state of sufficiency. Look at verse 18. He says, remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. 
Moses is telling them to be deliberate in remembering what God has done. And this remembrance isn't just a passing thought or barely thinking upon him, but instead it's a consistent relationship. See, God isn't just in our thoughts. He's in our hearts as well. And it's God who has sustained us and brought us through tough times. It's God who gives us the ability to work and to produce. It's God who has brought us into the land of plenty, not by our own strength, not by our own abilities, not by anything we've done. I mean, Jesus made it very clear when he said, without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. The third thing we have to remember is that he is the one that gives us the ability to be successful so that his promises will be fulfilled. See, God sustains us because of his promise, not because of our performance. He took care of the nation of Israel because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God is true to his word and his name. None of us deserve his blessings. It's totally because of his sovereign will and grace that he bestows those blessings upon us. All that we are and all that we have is the result of God's faithfulness in our lives. And his faithfulness should remind us why God has blessed us. God has blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others. See, that's God's plan. His plan, it was the plan for the Israelites. He was going to bless them so that the Israelites could show the world who God was. God has blessed us so that we can show the world who God is. God's plan is our blessings would ultimately further his kingdom. Therefore, we have no right to use our material blessings to fulfill selfish purposes. Instead, we have to use our resources to advance his kingdom. And lastly, we have to remember that going after things and treasuring things more than God is suicide, and it's really, really stupid. It is. It says this in verse 19, But I assure you of this, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods, worshiping and bowing down to them, you will certainly be destroyed. See, to forget and ignore God as a habitual pattern of life and practice, it reveals an unchanging and untransformed heart. It means you probably really don't have Christ living in you. To forget God is to perish and to face his wrath. And there are some in the church that at one time expressed this devotion to Christ only to have their faith stolen by sin, worldly values, riches, and desires that replaced a Christ-centered life. And the way to avoid that is to repent. It's to repent of your sin and trust in Christ's death for the forgiveness of your sin. And as a result of that faith and repentance, we're all to live a life of faith that doesn't forget and ignore God in everyday life. Not forgetting God is remembering the consequences of ignoring him and indulging in sin or remaining stuck in your sin. It's suicide. It's stupid. So where are you at today? Where are you? Have you forgotten God? And when we look around us and we see all that God has blessed us with, all that God has given us, do we give him glory for it? Or has pride found its way into our hearts and our lives? Pride will cause us to forget. Pride will cause us to forget our need and dependence for the Lord. So what we're going to do today as a response is we're going to take communion. Now I started at the beginning of my message 
about a story about a guy halfway across the world that gave uh, bone marrow to save another life. And that's pretty cool. It's pretty, condemn, uh, uh, pretty awesome that he would do that. But we serve a God that gave so much more for us. We serve a God who gave everything for us, who died for us. And so we're going to take communion because Jesus commands us to do this in remembrance of him, in remembrance of his sacrifice for us so that we would not forget that we are bought with a price. Did you know that, church? You're bought with a price so that we wouldn't forget that everything was sacrificed for us. So here's what I would ask you to do. The band's going to come up. Band, you guys can come up. And they're going to play. And while they do that, you're free to come up and partake of the elements. Simply take the bread that represents the body of Christ that was broken for you and dip it in the juice, which represents the blood of Christ that was spilled on the cross for you. And then just eat it. But what I would say is before you come, maybe you need to spend some time in prayer with the Lord and ask him to search your heart. I mean, have you forgotten him? Is he the central person in your life? Is he a part of every aspect of your life? Do you hunger for the presence of the Lord in your life? Or do you just have him on a back burner? Are you completely dependent upon him? Or are you doing things in your own strength? Does he have access to your schedule, to your time? to your talents, to your resources. Maybe you need to repent of some things before coming up. And I would say do that. Just sit at your seat and talk to the Lord and ask forgiveness. Maybe you don't know the Lord at all. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to him. Man, today is a great day to do that, to accept Christ as your savior. I'd love to talk to you about what that looks like, what it looks like to become a follower of Christ. If that's you, I would encourage you during the response, go to the next steps area during that response. I'll be over there and there will be other people that are over there that can pray with you. They can give you some information, some resources to help you on your journey. Whatever God's asking of you, be obedient to the calling of his spirit. You respond as God leads you. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for your abundant blessing in our lives, Lord. You have given us more then we definitely deserve. God, you have given us so much. You have blessed us with all the heavenly blessings. God, my prayer is today that we would never take that for granted. God, that we would remember where all our blessings come from, that you would be central in every aspect of our life, Lord, that we wouldn't forget you, God, that you wouldn't just be a casual thought. God, but you would be with us every moment of every second of every day in our thoughts, in our hearts, in our actions. It's in your name we pray. Amen.